Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. America podcast, and for those viewing on Facebook Live, I'm Kyle Glazer alongside J.J. Cooper and Josh Norris. Our podcast and Facebook Live broadcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. New apparel is available to celebrate two great American traditions, baseball on the 4th of July. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA17 to receive 20% off on your order. Offer ends July 4th. So right now, baseball is very busy because they have a pop-up store in Omaha for the uh, College World Series. So a lot of, uh, I think there's actually some exclusive uh, Omaha gear that we have not yet seen on Baseballism, but uh, but yeah, so good offer there from Baseballism. Thank you to our uh, friends at Baseballism. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, we just mentioned the College World Series. This Facebook Live is not about that, though, because we're on the pro side of things. I just returned from the California League All-Star Game. JJ went up to the Carolina League All-Star Game in Salem, Virginia. And Josh North got rained on. I went to the Florida State League All-Star Game and saw that, and then I went to the Pensacola League All-Star Game, or the Southern League All-Star Game in Pensacola, and saw the tarp. That's why you just got to come hang on the West Coast, man. No rain, just I'm crazy heat. I'm going there heat. next week. Just crazy heat. We saw a lot of great prospects. Uh, JJ, I want to start with you. Obviously, the big story, Eloy Jimenez homering off the light. But I think the thing that's always impressed me about Eloy is he's got light tower power. You can't yeah, deny yeah, it. That, but that, he can that also is the pure lit- definition of light tower True. power. Ooh, I didn't even intend to do that. But he can also genuinely hit. He's not just a big oh, swing yeah. and miss power only guy. This is a guy that for me... I mean, if you were to give me an offensive prospect in baseball, I love, you know, Glaber Torres is talented, Victor Robles is talented. To me, Eloy Jimenez is the guy that just makes me go, wow, that's who I want hitting the middle of my lineup to build around among prospects in today's game. The thing that's fascinating is, is that, and it's not like his frame wasn't already, but like you look at him now and you are talking about a guy who there is no projection left in the frame. He is... And none needed. None, no, none needed. It is a... A not pro body, it's a big league body right now. I mean, there's no question about that. Um, really, the biggest hiccup he's had so far is just health. You know, he's had the, I would describe it as minor uh, leg injury, but there is, it is something where if you look at him even now, he's still not at 100%. And when I say that, I mean, right now they're being very careful with him. They go on a road trip. He's not going to play. He's not going to play in the field the first game. Like there hasn't been a lot of back-to-back days either. If if it sprinkles, DH. You know, he's. They are being very cautious. They don't want to basically lose him for another stretch. So they're very. It's very much focused right now on keeping him in the lineup. And if that means he DHs a lot, he DHs. Which it's not a long-term concern for him because he's a bat. That's what his value is going to come from. But. The reality of it is he's the corner outfielder already. At some point, he is going to need some more reps because he's probably a left fielder long-term. But, man, I, I kind of agree with you if you said pure hit slash power, like not defensive value. Because when we talk about Mankata, Glaber, Julio Adamez, all those guys, the defensive value is part of the equation. Eloy Jimenez, the defensive value is not really catching the Futures game last year aside. It's not that much part of the equation. But... It doesn't need to be because it's kind of it's one of those purely truly special bats. Absolutely, and Josh, you saw some really good talent in the Florida State League All Star Game. I want to start there. Who for you was a guy that jumped out at you? Maybe that you you already thought good things about, but really showed us his real prime stuff to you. Well, I mean, I'm going to disagree with the premise here. I I didn't see a whole lot of really good talent in the Florida State League All Star Game. I, I thought it was a pretty meh game, quite frankly. 
Um, the guy who did stick out to me was Shed Long, the the Red Sox, the Red Sox, the Reds second baseman, who uh, you know he hit some balls really really hard. I think he had two hits and one hard out, despite the fact he's really really quick hands, and despite the fact that he has a little bit of a hitch at the top of his swing, he still got there and drove it really really hard up the middle both times. And then there was Gavin Lavallee, who is you know your credit to him. He's he, he's taking a step forward. He you know he came up there to grip and rip, and he did. First two at bats, home runs, both uh, one to just left of center field, and one to straight away left field. And had and a monster first half. That, that yeah, power is something a, that he's done. He's number two in the or tied for number one in the Florida State League. In um, not not an easy league to hit in, by the way. So you know there's some legitimacy it's, no, it's behind there. I mean, I've seen him I've seen him do it in instructs too. It, it's interesting with me about Lavalley is is that. He's kind of become different prospects at different stages in his career. Was an offensive lineman in high school, so he really didn't have the the body that he wanted to have kind of when he was drafted because you kind of have to carry a little extra. When you're eating 5,000 calories a day to be a lineman. You have to carry extra weight. (laughs) And so then he slimmed down. And in Dayton, he was really, he probably slimmed down too far. I mean, like, he became more of a, Kind of a, a a line drive at singles hitter, which he was playing third at the time, but still you don't want your 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 slugger to be a guy who you know dinks and dunks around the block, you know park. And he's now, I mean, you've again you've seen him more recently than I have, but he's a guy who's now getting back to that power, which really has to be his calling card. First baseman now, but he's got the power to, to make to make that work. Sure, I mean now that I'm thinking about it, too, some other guys in that game who kind of stuck out, even though they didn't perform particularly well. Um, Will Craig, his his body is different now. Uh, in a good way. Yeah, I wrote in the story that he's down only six pounds, but he's transformed a lot of fat into muscle, and he looks like a different player. And I had to check the roster sheet on Cabrian Hayes because he looked like he lost a toddler. <laughs> and he's he's slim, and I got good reviews on him today. You know, he can play defense. He can hit a little bit. He re- really good feel for the game. Yeah, no question. He yeah. was son of a former big leaguer. I mean, it's what you want to see. Yeah, there was a lot of. There was a couple sons of big leaders. Uh, Pudge Rodriguez's kid was there. J.C. Rodriguez was there, and Ka- uh, Craig Biggio's kid, Kevin, was also in that around that. That team. man knows how to draw a walk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Kevin Biggio, that's yeah, been a uh, calling card for him. Speaking of sons of big leaguers, uh, I was obviously at the California League, and I didn't just go for the All Star game. I was there for the whole week because it's kind of a big trip. I uh, went out there and saw a couple games like Elsinore, Ranch Cucamonga, and the Empire. You saw some dudes. Saw some dudes. It was a really good year for the Cal League as opposed to last year, but. The guy that really stood out to me has got to be Cal Quantrill. This is a guy we already thought highly of, but you talk about the mix of prodigy, prod, progeny of a big leaguer and big league bodies. This was a guy, not that I ever thought he was small, but when I was walking on oh, the concourse in Lake Elsinore, it's his height, it's his build. You talk about what do big league pitchers and frontline big league pitchers look like, the way they're built. Cal Quantrill is it. I mean, it's everything. It's the build, it's the legs, it's the arm, it's, it's everything about him. Then you watch him go out. Pitching in a hundred one degree heat and a one hundred one start dry heat, dry heat. Yeah, at a hundred at hundred plus doesn't matter as much. Hundred plus Lake Elsinore, you know, last game of the break. It's been a long first half. He's holding ninety five into the fifth inning with a changeup that just makes hitters look stupid. You know, the slider was hit or miss, but it was still there. I mean, this was a guy who everything you wanted to see from what does a frontline top of the rotation right hander look like. He had it. The funny thing is when you say change-up, and it's like you can say change-up or you can say change-ups because... Well, he's really kind of focused in on one. He threw three in college, but as I was talking to them... That he yeah, spoke... Even the spring he did, because the spring he was throwing three. Okay, yeah, so he's really focused in. And, and one of the things that's been interesting is they've actually talked about 
his changeup has flattened out on him a little bit. It hasn't been this perennial plus-plus pitch like it was yeah. projected to be. Yeah. But it's starting to get there. You saw him throw a few that just made good hitters look downright foolish. He didn't pitch in the like, All-Star game because he threw Sunday, but he did win the lasso roping contest. So good for him there. So, yeah, you got lasso roping and all. I got I got sluggers hitting uh, light towers. Exactly. And I got a home run derby. You got floods. Yeah. A lot. I got rivers in the outfield. <laughs> I got lightning. I did get a home run derby, and Ronald Acuna and Gabby Guerrero went head up for three rounds. I love the fact that Gabby Guerrero, your your uh, Southern more, League more home progeny. run champ, her progeny, but cousin, cousin. Yeah. Yeah. nephew, nephew. Sorry, but, cousin. Yeah, cousin. Right. Cousin. Yeah, cousin. Okay. But but how many uh, home runs does Gabby Guerrero have this season? Well, that's, he went goose egg for the season. Thought he was the home run derby. And, 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 that, and, and that's why you always have to be careful. I mean, again, the Cali, Marty Harum, uh, an undrafted free agent, really good guy. He's 25 in high A. He hit 34 bombs. He out hit, out homered, you know, Josh Naylor, Aramis Garcia. I mean, all the big home run guys. He outdid him. Oh. He's never hit more than eight in a season. And he hit 34. Same story of mine. Like, I mean, Jake Gatewood won it. And Jake Gatewood. He, he has, has legit as, power. He has legit power, and if as good a home run derby hitter as you're going to see, the man knows how to elevate. He knows how to lift. Strong. On a couple of times, Jake Gatewood actually went down his back knee. He collapsed his backside so much that his back knee went to the ground, and he hit it out. Adrian like, Beltre style? Yes, Beltre style. <laughs> or Kyle Tucker style. He does but Sicknarf Loopstock was by far, to me, if you said, who was the most impressive home run derby hitter at that, which I love that it's Sicknarf Loopstock. But Sicknarf, it was just like he was, I mean, it, it was like he was just playing wiffle ball. It was just out, out, 44 home runs over three rounds. It was pretty unreal. Now, again, Loopstock has never, what you were talking about, Marty Harum, Loopstock has never shown much power in games, although this year's been the best as far as that. Um, Funny thing is, is then we get to our game. I mean, everyone was worried about the home run derby there, that there was going to be no home runs here. It was all pitchers. And then during the home run derby, there was a ton of home runs, although the lefties felt far, sorry for Zach Collins and Isan Diaz and Anderson Miller because no one was hitting that ball out to left. Uh, I think they ended up combining. To right, you mean? Yeah, to right field. Yeah, the lefties pulling it. Um, they got to the point where they were trying to hit the ball oppo because they were like, <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll That's work. It's a tough park, huh? But... Um, you get to the game, and it was all about the pitching. Michael Chavis has the only two, you know, the only RBIs of the game, two RBIs in the first inning. And he was fun. I mean, just because we've seen Chavis for a few years now, and he was part of that insane Greenville team that we saw a couple of years ago where it was him. I think he got promoted today as well. He did. Yeah. across the wires. Him, uh, Yoan Mankata, uh, Andrew Benintendi, and Rafael Devers. And those guys went on and... Anderson Espinosa was on that team too, wasn't he, Greenville? Yeah, briefly, very briefly. For the not, last... Not, not at the same time, yeah. The last game. The last game. He was on that with them the last game. Because okay. they didn't go up. That was at the end of the year, if I remember right. Uh, but, um, but those guys went on, and Chavis went back. Because, you know, he just... He has, he's always had power, but strikeout rate, concerns and all that. He's really done a good job of... The power has stayed there because he just has massive power, but he's done a good job of, of being more focused on hitting and a little less pull-happy and paid off. I mean, he's hitting over 300 this year, just got the promotion. Really, really good first half. But You know, you mentioned only runs of the game. Of all the pitchers who took the mound, did any of them really do anything for you? Anyone open your eyes? Yeah, I mean, there was a wide range of different reasons. Um, the, the funny thing is the two guys that stick with me, Trevor Kelly is your... 
He'll pitch in the big leagues, I think. He's a Red Sox guy who's a, a, a sidearm right-hander, 91-92. You see that guy a lot. I mean, it's not like he's an unusual guy that way, but he knows what he's doing with it. It's not going to be a, probably in a high-impact, high-leverage role, but he's going to pitch in the big leagues, I think. So he comes in for the seventh for the Northern Division, and then the eighth rolls around, and Richard Lovelady comes in, uh, Wilmington Blue Rocks Royals, 10th-round pick last year from Kennesaw State. And Lovelady is... 94 to 96 from about here, sidearm lefty. I mean, so, you know, for one, I mean, I'll ask you guys, how many sidearm lefties, let's just start there. That's like a true sidearm, not low three quarters? Yeah, not Chris Sale. I mean, I, you know, sorry, I'm off the screen. I'll, I'll do it like this. Not Chris Sale here, you know, or here, but true like, okay, they're there. How many of those guys... I mean, those are rare to me for me to see. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is we see all these top prospects, but what's good about these All-Star games is you find guys who aren't on the prospect radar necessarily, but they can do something. Oh, Lovelady, if, he if he's not hurt, he's, if he doesn't get any better than where he is right now, he's a big leaguer because you can locate. He's, he's locating. He's I mean, walking like one, one per nine, going in and out, you know, arm side and glove side, and you're 94, 96 on the left side from a sidearm slot. You can that'll work. <laughs> if the slider never gets any better, you can be a guy who can get left-handers out in the big leagues because if you're a lefty hitter, you never see a guy who comes from that. Like Aaron Loop is the guy I can come up with That's who throws funny. harder than 86, 87 doing that. It's just such a weird look. So that just stuck out partly because he was really good, partly because he's been really good. I mean, he has a sub-two career RA. No one hits the ball in the air off of him because he gets sync with that from that arm slot. All that, you know, he's, again, he's not walking anyone. He's striking out a lot of guys. But really what stood out about it was is it's just so unusual. I'm not saying he's like, like Adbert Azalea, who actually was the loser in the game, uh, Cubs pitcher who works as fast. He's the anti-Steve Traxel. I mean, it is like the ball hits his glove, it's back out. Oh, no, he was one of my favorites this year. I mean, he's, yeah, he, like, I actually, the first pitch he threw, I'm writing down, you know, the pitch, and I look up and I realize I've missed the second pitch, I mean, which never happens to me usually. I'm pretty it's quick awesome. doing that. Hey, guys who can control the tempo and do good things, that's important. Well, what they, what they talked about was they installed that with him so he doesn't think. <laughs> so he doesn't think it, and he says it so the hitters don't think. They say it, the Cubs say it so he doesn't think. Either way, no one's thinking out there. <laughs> and he's throwing really hard, and he's spinning the ball really well. I think there's a there's a sneaky chance he's a big leader. But the bummer thing in my game was is that you didn't see Franklin Perez, you didn't see Tristan McKenzie. They were there, but you didn't, you know. Yeah. And that was if you said who were the two best pitchers you were going to see, those were the two guys. And I, I got fortunate because for me the two guys who weren't going to play that I wanted to see play were Cal Quantrill and Joey Lucchese, but I saw them pitch in Elsinore. Thus, they didn't pitch in the All Star game, so it was okay. Um, Joey Lucchese, that's an. That's I, lo a, I love. I love. First of all. It was interesting. As I was calling around last year, you know, to do the Padres reports for the handbook, I was getting a lot of really, really, really good stuff on Joey Lucchese to the point that if you lined up the reports I was getting on him and the reports I was getting on Eric Lauer, oh, put them side by side and took the names off of them, you'd point to Lucchese as the better pitcher. Now, given that Lauer is the first rounder and, you know, you put him ahead, but... Pure stuff-wise, though, right now, I, I and think... And talking to a scout... He said he'd seen a bunch of starts. He thought Lucchese was better than Lauer until Lauer went Friday and pitched great and Lucchese pitched Saturday and pitched okay. He said after that it might be a little closer, but it's neck and neck for how good these guys are, Potters, left-handers. I mean, and that delivery, 
For those who haven't seen it, this is going to be a bad recreation. He starts all the way up here, straight up, holds it. Down here, holds it. And then when he gets his lower body in sync, this is going to sound a little weird to some people. It's almost beautiful. It's like a dancer with the lines. I mean, just the way he maneuvers. I was going to say, funky beautiful, because it's funky. It's funky, but it's it's athletic. It's rhythmic. It's not, you know, funky in a herky-jerky type of way. It's It works and keeps his arm slot, keeps his athleticism. And then, oh, by the way, he's not doing that throwing 86 to 88. It's 91 to 94 with a 78 curveball that's just... A, I mean, drops on you, 12-6. The favorite story, I've, my favorite Lucchese story is, is that there's been multiple occasions. When you talk about funky deliveries, there's been multiple occasions where guys on first have dove back into first on pitches he threw home because they thought he was coming over because that is how unusual. And, and that's another part is I saw him pick a guy off and made him look foolish. He controls the running games. You talk about, okay, he's big, he's strong, he's got stuff, he's got deception, he controls the running game. That and his left-hander. That's a big leaguer. You know, yeah, I think he's he's a guy. Who, that's, who knows the role yet? But yeah, he's yeah, exactly. And, you know, and he's shown a third pitch, and he's he's durable. He can hang out there. I, I do think he has a good chance to start. But even if he doesn't, it'll work in a bullpen. Um, you know, those two guys. I saw Yadier Alvarez. It's interesting. He, there's a little shine off of that. A little polish. So off let there. me put it to this way with Yadier Alvarez. I no one, and I mean not a single scout I talked to. A lot said he starts. The ceiling I got on him, and it's still a pretty good ceiling, and I heard this twice, was Neftali Feliz. Now, Neftali Feliz was a rookie of the year closer on a championship mm-hmm. contending team, been a really good reliever in the Big for a long time. That's great. You love that on your team. But this dream of Yadier Alvarez as your number one or two starter, no one sees that. And the reason is he throws a fastball really, really hard. Yep. It's a, th- a direct from Scott, three command, three control. No expectation the command ever gets better. The control, if you believe in him, can get to an average grade. Most likely, it doesn't get better than fringe average. So you have, I mean, this is going to sound scary, and I don't think he's this guy, but I, after watching him and talking to scouts on him, it was sounded more like Victor Alcantara than anything I'd heard, who was the same dude. 96 to 100, has nothing else going for him. Now, Alvarez, I mean, look, he... I. Great, you know, great build, great physique. And you saw a slider that worked, but one of the issues with the slider is, and I, I again, I tracked it, I think he threw 20-some 20, 20 sliders you that game. Not, not, none not one landed in the strike zone. Now, he got Barris to swing on it. Right. But talking to scouts, they talked about is, at double-A, those guys aren't going to swing on the slider until he shows he can land and it. And the major leagues, that's going to spit on it. it. So if you have one pitch, it's a fastball with no command, that you can throw for strikes... And even that, if when he throws it for strikes, it's not consistent. That's why he has a 5-plus ERA in the Cal League. That's why, for all his stuff, guys are hitting 280 off him. You know, I saw Garrett Hampson, right? Little Garrett Hampson, who, by the way, I actually came away liking from this a lot more. He sat... He, he, all, 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 all he had to do was he set... And he's an advance hitter. So he set Alvarez up. He choked up on the bat. Said, I'm going to wait till one of your 98-mile-an-hour fastballs crosses the plate. And I'm not going to swing at anything until I get that. So he set him up, did that, hit it 390 to the gap in left center. And that was a sack fly because DJ Peters ran it down. But you saw that, and you saw it happening at the high that's level. That's being squared up. Yeah. He got, and that's the other thing. His fastball, while it wasn't always squared up, there was a lot of contact on it. And I mean a lot. So 
on the one hand, it's a golden arm. You gotta like it. But just as I came away thinking even higher of Cal Quantrill than I did, came away thinking even higher of Brendan Rogers than I did, which we'll get to in a second, come out of this seeing what you saw from Alvarez, talking to the managers and the scouts around the inland uh, Rancho Cucamonga, and you can't help but say, you know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, he's yeah. still a top hundred prospect, but he's not this elite. He's not. He's not guy. the best pitching prospect in the Dodgers organization. Oh no, not. He's not close. I mean, because Walker Bueller, you talk to people, it's four pitches. They're all oh, strikes. It's it's just, with the same or with the same velo. There's no comparison. And yeah. I mean, there was even a few who said, on his own staff. Now this was not everyone felt this way, but you heard it. T- two different people. But they like Dennis Santana on Rancho like staff Santana. better than Yadier Alvarez because he has three pitches, he commands them better, and his stuff's still filthy and actually moves a little more. You know, it's and he's and he's a guy who's still on the rise. I mean, conversion guy, right. been converted now for a couple of years, but still conversion so, guy who's yeah. Uh, the arrow is ascending. I guess were there any guys for you who you went in and maybe just from talking to scouts, seeing what you saw. Not that they're not good prospects, but guys that are a little lesser than, than maybe perception was earlier in the year? No. I mean, <laughs> there were some guys that I knew were arm strength guys, and they did their arm strength thing. And who, was, who, who was the hardest Vila you saw? Uh, Fernandez. Uh, Junior Fernandez threw 100 for me. Uh, I didn't get 100 for my game. I got I didn't one, either. I got 98. I got one 100. I got two guys, Gerson Moreno and Tanner Rainey, sitting 97-99. Um, but I knew they were going to do that. I was going to say, both of those guys, I believe, have been on our 100 uh, list before. They have those reps, and they did what they're supposed to do. Um, you know, I didn't know about Jake Brents before I came in, and he's, you know, part of what you described earlier, you're uh, blanking on the name of your lefty. Uh, Lovelady. Love Lady. He's, he's a little higher than, than Lovelady, and he's, you know, 95, 97, with a pretty good 82-mile-an-hour curveball, but... He doesn't have he, the same command or control. No, he hit the backstop twice on the fly. <laughs> Um, but if you're a lefty, he is murder. He is death. And that's but, if that, you have a role. That's that's the guy. If you said from my game, and we've been hearing this kind of throughout, you know, because he's in the Carolina League. But Zach Collins as a catcher has a long way to go. We knew. I mean, we knew there were going to be questions, but seeing him again in the All Star game and just, just, I mean, again, a lot of it was with no one on base. So you can argue that. Okay, if you let a ball go to the backstop, there's no one on base. But he was letting the ball go to the backstop, breaking ball in the dirt. It was, you know, and this was not at Bowie's Creek, where when you see it at Bowie's Creek, you go, okay, it hit the field turf and took off. Normal park. But, uh, you know, a lot of balls go in the dirt. Had a fastball that was borderline strike. I mean, you talk about presentation, giving the ump, uh, you know, it was a little inside. He missed it. I mean, he bounced off his glove. I mean, so... You have to receive more smoothly than that yeah. to play catcher in the big leagues. He's obviously, I mean, we are talking about a guy who at this time last year was just signing his first pro contract. Catchers, it can take a while, but there's still a good bit of work that Zach has to do if he's going to catch. And it's interesting. You compare and contrast him to a guy like Will Smith, same draft class. And Will's a guy who no one thinks the bat is as good as Zach Collins is, but he gets on base and his receiving is beautiful. beautiful. I mean, he get you know, like Alvarez, Santana, guys who threw hard and at times were wild, caught everything. The arm, it was one nine threes to second. I mean, there was a, a wild pitch. We you know we put uh, some highlight videos up. We have this on our server. Hopefully, we'll get it out at some point. I mean, we're talking about a wild pitch, perfect block off his chest. Has to scramble three feet from him to grab the ball. 
still guns the guy out at second base. I mean, it's a quick release. It's it's everything you want to see. So it's interesting that Zach Collins, when you talk about which of those guys is going to get to the majors as a catcher, it's the golden receiver who controls the run game, even if he doesn't have quite the bat. Yeah, no, again, Zach Collins has... Zach Collins has a good bit of work to do, I mean, all around. Because, again, as a hitter, I mean, the reality of it is is that there's been a lot of skepticism as far as, you know, it's a pretty significant load. You call it a hitch if you want. I mean, that scouts have not been a fan of, and he's hitting under 230 in the Carolina League. He's got power, some power. He's but getting on base still. I mean, getting on base. He knows yeah. the strike zone, all that. But there's a, a pretty significant to-do list still yeah. there. And, you know, I, on the flip side for me, not because of anything in the game necessarily, but Austin Hayes is, in there. to me, like if you said pull out a guy who's who you, if you're watching this that you're and you follow prospects, you may not have heard as much about the third rounder for the Orioles out of Jacksonville last year. Really good first half, really productive. There's a legit. I mean, that guy can hit, and that guy's got some thump too. So that that'd be my guy as far as that. I think for me, the guy you know, when we talk about Brendan Rodgers, the guy's a monster. I mean, even he's a guy that. When I saw him over his game at Lancaster in the All-Star game, I think it was combined one for nine, but you could see it. I mean, you saw the ability to handle velocity. You saw the good swing, just a couple didn't land for him. Plays a beautiful shortstop. I didn't realize how good of a shortstop he was. It was a six-arm that was unanimous, talking to the scouts in the stands. He's a guy that you can look to build your franchise around. But his double play partner in the middle infield, Garrett Hampson, who... And we've talked about Long Beach State has this really incredible track record factory of shortstops getting to the big leagues. Like, they've all done it. It's this long line. And he's the next Long Beach State shortstop. And you know what? You watch him. He's that classic guy who does everything well and is going to get to the big leagues. You know, he's a smaller guy. You look at him, you're going, oh, he just looks like, you know, your classic generic minor league middle infielder, smaller guy, nothing to excited about, right? Controls the strike zone. He knows how to set pitchers up. Handles velocity. Handles breaking stuff. Gets the barrel to the ball. I only saw him playing second base because Rogers was playing mm-hmm. short. It was beautiful. I mean, first of all, the chemistry those two had in the middle infield was a sight to behold. It was pretty cool to watch. But he gets the ball to his left, to his right, charging, going back. Arm is more than enough for second. Instincts, feel for the game. Some, you know, lead off with a double, steal third. I mean, against Sergio Romo, who's, you know, rehabbing, but still a big leaguer. I mean, all the things you want to see that play up and get you to the big leagues, he does them. I came out of this thinking, you know, Hampson's interesting. And now I'm like, yeah, he's going to be a utility guy in the major leagues. I, I don't have a whole lot of doubts about that. My version of that with Nicky Lopez, uh, Wilmington shortstop, another Royals guy. Again, is he going to be a, a big league everyday shortstop? I'm not, I'm not real sure about that. But you talk to guys who've seen him consistently this year, and they're like, no, he does a lot of things. He stays within himself, on-base guy. Not going to have hit for power. I joked, I asked him about it after. I said, like, you played at Creighton. Did that help that? He's like, yeah, I'm never going to hit a ball out of TD Ameritrade. So why would I try? <laughs> yeah. And so that got him to be, you know. But but a guy who, again, an up-the-middle guy, good feel for the game, should be productive enough that it would not surprise me at all if you're going to see him be a big leaguer down the road. Um, you know, we do have a couple of questions, although I will say our yeah, questions are, are uh, a little bit draft-heavy. Uh, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Andrew Jackson asks, how quick will Brendan Little get to the big leagues? Um, I'll, I'm, I'll take that one. Uh, the, the answer really is, is what do you want him to be? If you say Brendan Little, who probably is going to end up as a reliever, if you're willing to focus on him being a reliever, I think he could move pretty quick um, because it, as a kind of a two-pitch guy who you just focus on blowing through the lineup for uh, three to five batters, 
You can do that really quickly. If you want Brendan Little to be a starting pitcher, expect a significantly longer period of time of adjustment, of a development. And even then, you are running the risk that you could devote three years to that and then say, oh, he's a reliever. You know, I mean, that's the... So it's always good to try guys as a starter, right. but you need to be able to ID when and when to pull the plug. Uh, this is one for you. Uh, I'll kick this one to you, Kyle. But uh, Rafael Mengual says, do you think guys think Nick Allen should slash will end up signing with the A's instead of going to Southern Cal? Yeah, there's an expectation he's going to sign. Uh, there's you draft him there, he's going to sign. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of you know money talk with him, and the, the expectation is he would not have been taken if there wasn't a deal in place. So the expectation is there was, and the expectation is he'll sign. Ninety nine percent or better last year. Ninety nine point one, I think it was, percent of top ten round picks signed. So I'm just going to answer every time if someone's in the top ten rounds, he's going to sign. I'll be right. Three hundred and 48 out of 350 times, basically. That'll work. That's uh, good uh, and then uh, Tank Yagubi says, uh, Hunter Green went two, which he's a shortstop that can also throw 102. Why do they take Royce Lewis one over Green? Money. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, Royce Lewis is going to sign for less than Hunter Green's yeah, going to sign. Money. That's, that's, we've seen that now two years in a row with number one picks. And, you know, the guy that... It gets taken first is something a lot of people like, but no one thinks they're the single best player in the draft bar now. I, I will predict that Royce Lewis's signing bonus will end up being probably fourth or fifth highest in this class. It was 6.7, right? right. And Kyle, Kyle Wright already signed Kyle Wright already signed I think Lewis was 6'1". 6'7". 6'7". 6'7". 6'7". 6'7". for Lewis, which is the high school record right now. Give Hunter Green a couple of uh, a little while and that probably break that. Brendan McKay, I think, is also going to get more. Uh, he, you know, once he's done. Didn't Brendan McKay sign or didn't agree? He can't he, technically. Uh, you I have to wait. That, I thought the rumor was out there, but but you can't. I mean, he's technically he, can't, can't he is put on not. The dotted line, but. He is he is still playing at Louisville, so uh, there is, so for now he cannot. Um, but uh, but I wouldn't be. But he said publicly at the time of the draft, he said the Twins offered me a number. I thought I could get more later, which. Which strongly seem to imply that he is going to get more. And we know that Kyle Wright got more. So that's going to be three guys who went after Royce Lewis who are likely to get more than Royce Lewis. So that's, that does fit into that. Again, this all works into an equation of it is all is a puzzle, okay? You look at the Braves, and you look at where the Braves are right now, and you say they love Kyle Wright. They got Kyle Wright. They spent over $7 million setting a new current system bonus record to get Kyle Wright. Essentially, it's, it's not entirely a two-player draft, but it's two-and-a-half, you know, three-player draft. They spent their money on him and Drew Waters. They, they were willing to put it all in there because they're like, we've got depth. I suppose the Twins had 35 and 37. They had some money they wanted to spread out we get got, some guys. And we've got, as, as we were just talking, Josh and I were talking before they, we got in here, that uh, we've got the uh, Brent Rooker show coming to uh, Elizabethan, you know. So we got the... Uh, the E-Town, uh, I hope to see Brent Rooker maybe uh, next July week. 1st. So here's a question. Did anyone uh, ask any prospect questions? Or no. Or is everyone draft obsessed? Everyone is draft here? obsessed. All so. right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask one. Josh, Southern League got rained out. Who were the guys just being out there talking to guys that you thought there was the most buzz to see? Because it was a pretty good roster. Well, I'll tell you this. Most of the scouts who were supposed to be there didn't show up. because <laughs> that They looked is, at the weather forecast. Right. There was like three scouts who showed up. And that, a lot of them, I don't hear real buzz 
in general. I know the guys who are supposed to be Buzz. Who was supposed I mean, to be Buzz? Maybe it was going to be Colby Allard, Mike Soroka, Ronald Acuna, Michael Kopech, guys like that. Those are the Buzz-worthy guys. But a lot of these guys, like, they didn't know they were coming to this game until, like, a week <laughs> before. So they didn't really have a chance to get any buzz on these guys. But, you know, th- it was going to be a stocked game. There's a reason I went down there and, you know, drove seven hours from the Florida State League game to that game. I knew who I wanted to see. Oh, Tyler Molle, too. All those guys were going to be fun to watch. Tyler Molle now promoted to Triple uh, A. Yep. Luis um, Castillo goes, jumps. He skips over. He says, you can go to Louisville. I'll Louisville. go to Cincinnati. Yeah, he went to the major leagues. Um, the home run derby was fun. We saw Ronald Acuna show his power when he got a BP pitcher who could throw strikes. He hit zero in his first round, and, but the, the guy he was matched against, Colin Walsh, also hit zero. So they had to have a... Wait, wait, wait. Colin Walsh was in a home run derby. You got it. Um, wow. Well... That's, that is... I, I, I'm nothing as Colin Walsh, former Rule 5 pick, um, you know, which puts a soft spot in my heart right there, but Colin Walsh is not someone I think of as, oh, you know, let's you go know, watch but, him. But mass. sometimes, I mean, my example, that was uh, Jose Rojas, a 36th rounder last year, in last year's draft at Inland Empire, actually hitting all right. He's hitting about 300. I think he hit three or four bombs. This guy goes out there, short guy. He's listed six foot. He's maybe 5'10", and chokes up on the left-handed bat and just drops it and launches it, you know, get that, that high arcing swing, and it worked. And he got to the finals. He beat Josh Naylor in the semis and hit, uh, hit 10 in the second round and, and had a, a good showing in the finals too, and Harum just came from behind to beat him. So sometimes the derby, man. But, but like I said, he hit zero, and Acuna hit zero, so they had to go to a swing off, and they each hit one. So they, they judged it that Acuna's went farther. So Acuna went to the, the semis uh, at that point and then hit seven, and Gabby Guerrero hit seven. And then they had to go to a swing off there, and they both hit three. They had to go to a second swing off, and they both hit two. And then at that point, they said, you know what? These guys are going to die out here at this point. <laughs> and so they just declared Gabby the winner because he had hit 17 in the first two rounds, whereas Acuna had hit one. In my game, the thing that people do, you know, like, I think yours is the same. I don't know. How long was yours? How long did they have to hit? Two minutes. They had th- that's smarter. They had three. With in a both- timeout. Three with a oh, timeout. Oh, so was two minutes, no timeout. The same thing on the ship last year at the Midway. Three with, with a timeout. And, like, in the last round, which was, hey, it was thrilling, I gotta say. Like, it was the best. It may have been the best home run derby. The best home run hitting I've ever seen comes in the Futures game BP. But for home run derbies, the Carolina League home run derby this year was as good as I've ever seen. But get to the final round, and they've already, like, at this point, Loopstock has 44 home runs. Gatewood ends up with 41, I think it was. But Gatewood is coming down to the end of his, and I think he's got to hit like 15 to tie or whatever. And they had a rule that if you hit one out in the last 30 seconds, you got a bonus 30 seconds or whatever. And there's two, he goes through the first two minutes. He gets down to a minute to go, and he is breathing so hard that he was smart of him. He just basically stopped. He watched three pitches go by, took a deep breath, and then went back to hitting. It, he said it wore him out completely. It was pure cardio. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know. Yeah, see, for me, I think two minutes makes the most sense, and it moves the thing quicker. And for me, it was 106 that day in Visalia. And the guys no. had been out there standing in that heat for three or four hours doing all the lasso rope Try and heat. cow milking. And then they go out there, and they're hitting. And even once the sun set, it was in the 90s. I mean, these guys were exhausted. Uh, you know, Marty Harum, who won the hey. thing, even told me, my legs were out of it. I was just hoping and praying he gave me one elevated so I could just flick my wrist and it would carry, and that's what happened. Watch his last few swings. It's all upper body. 
But uh, we probably should wrap this up. But before that, that just reminds me, we have the AZL starts off this mm-hmm. weekend. Hmm. Our condolences for everyone in the AZL. Everyone who just signed a pro contract, excited to get into pro baseball. And so I, I checked the forecast. I believe it is 113 on Saturday. And, and that's down. Yes, it's down from the 120-something, but 113, mm. then 115 on Sunday. You know, they'll probably play those games at night. Um, at 7 o'clock, I think it's only supposed to be 110. I mean, that's going to hurt to put your cleats on. You're going to touch metal. Well, I always, I always said when I went to school in Arizona that it was always hot. At 110 is when it starts to hurt your skin. Like, 100 is hot. But 110, when it hurts to walk outside, and these guys are going to be not just walking outside, out there for three-plus hours, playing, exerting pants. themselves for how many days straight? Because this, this heat ain't going away. It's going to be like this for a while. That's It's just rough. But So wrap us up here, Kyle. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Thanks to our followers. And today's podcast and Facebook Live, once again, was sponsored by Baseballism. Visit Baseballism.com for the best apparel in baseball. Enter the code BA2017. Receive 20% off your next order. For JJ Cooper and Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. See you next time, folks. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.